Steven, I think you and I have the uh, the Sith and Jedi thing going on here a little bit. Um, yes, sir, we do. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. You know, I, I like the look. I really do. Uh, I, I love the look, to be honest. It's just there's something deeply, um, deeply Darth Plagueis. If Darth he Plagueis was, was a Stoic. He or was maybe, a scholar, a very wise man. Yeah. Or maybe if Ryan Holiday was a Sith Lord. That would be that would be the environment. You you kind of got you've got the look. Uh, I love the vibes, man. You know, um, I came across a person at the uh, at a recent event where we were selling books and talking about mm-hmm. how the force can fix the world. A lady came up to uh, the table and wanted to know about how the force can fix the world. And she was like, "So is this a Jedi book?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is. In this way, in this way, it's sort of about discipline and mm-hmm. temperance balance. and mm-hmm. balance." And she goes. I'm a Sith person and, and she was like serious, you know, she no, was kind of yeah, like, kind of like a, like a goth, like a goth adult, mm-hmm. you know, wearing, wearing a pentagram and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I mean, I, I get what you're, you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. we love a little worship of the self. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, just, I remember, right. You did pivot your pitch at that point uh, of the book of like, but you know, it's sort of like uh, maybe you just recited the whole uh, Sith code pieces of lie. That's what they say. It is a lie. There is only passion. Welcome to the Geeky Stoics podcast, uh, long-ish form edition. This week, we are back together uh, in our attempt. I say attempt uh, because um, work travel kind of delayed us slightly, but we're back together talking uh, in like a proper long-form podcast. Uh, On the heels, as you alluded to, Stephen, of Atlanta Comic Con, our second foray into uh, doing... Boothing? Is there a word for is there a verb? Booting boothing? It's called booting. It's called tabling, Riley. Tabling. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Thank you. I booth, you booth, he, she, it booths. Boothing. I don't know what happened to my brain. Uh, but yes, that is that is where what we were doing this past weekend. And I wanted to lead straight off the top of the show. Uh, we're going to talk maybe some behind the scenes and and uh, talk to how the weekend went and talk about some of the content that we recorded there and things that will be coming to geek, Geeky Stoics. But I just wanted to lead the top of the show um, besides the Ryan Holiday Sith Lord bit. Uh, but I also wanted to lead the top, sh- top of the show uh, with a question that I have for you that I think is actually... I don't know, pertinent after this experience at the convention, uh, because I've had people at the at cons ask this question. I've had like mm-hmm. uh, family members and friends who ask me about this geeky Stoics venture. Uh, and that is the whole Stoicism thing, the Stoic piece of geeky Stoics. And you and I were talking, and I thought it was a, a pretty, pretty apropos. But I just want to know, Stevens, for those of you who are like, what does Stoicism have to do with Star Wars? And what even is Stoicism? I want Stephen Kent's Stoicism 101 for geeks. Yeah, well, Stoicism is a philosophy that can be sorted into four primary pillars, uh, virtues, if you will. And they're very much derived from uh, the Christian cardinal virtues, which is that of courage, wisdom, justice, and temperance. Okay. So courage, wisdom, justice, temperance. And when I think of namely Star Wars, uh, every single one of those virtues immediately come to mind. First of all, the Jedi, the keepers of peace and justice in the galaxy, right? So an immediate sense of right and wrong and a call to take action. Uh, Star Wars is about 
you know, picking up the lightsaber and going and and facing darkness in some sense, uh, in some sense. So you actually have to have a belief in justice. Uh, there's courage. Star Wars, namely, is a story of bravery. Again, getting up, facing your darkness, taking that big leap, lifting things that you don't know that you can lift. Uh, wisdom. Obviously, there's wisdom around every corner in Star Wars. It's about masters and Padawans, passing on knowledge that you have learned. Uh, we are all born with you know, things that we have yet to learn and a sense of things that we you know, still need to know. And we're always in search of a master, a mentor to teach us those things. Star Wars is one such story. And then the last one, I think this is the most important, um, mm. is within Star Wars, you have two rival kind of holy war factions, the Sith and the Jedi. And there are people who say they are almost similar in every way. Uh, Palpatine from Mainly. episode three says this as a form of manipulation, uh, but they aren't the same in every way. And the primary way in which they are different is the idea of temperance, moderation, discipline. Uh, the Jedi are a monkish abstaining type culture. They believe that the things that you engage in, the vices that you encourage, that they actually have power over you. Uh, whereas the Sith believe that the accumulation of power means that you can have any vice that you want uh, because nothing can ever dominate you. So you just consume, consume, consume. Um, so just for me, as a lifelong Star Wars fan and someone who's only been studying Stoicism for about the past two years maybe it's just everywhere it's impossible not to see or it, it's impossible it yeah it's no, impossible, impossible not, not to you know, see. It, <laughs> it, it's everywhere it's it's like the force uh life creates it no um but i i do i am interested because of those four virtues which i remember because i was just in casually in conversation with you over the weekend at one point and you just kind of you, you just kind of spit out the four virtues right off the top of your noggin uh which i was impressed by um, but yeah, of those four virtues, wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance, I, I'm curious, like, which to you jumps out as probably the most relevant, particularly in the context of Star Wars, because I noticed that's really what comes up the most when we're uh, tabling at, as we say, tabling at these conventions. Um, I'm curious if you have one that you think connects most to Star Wars, especially now having written How the Force Can Fix the World, available everywhere books are sold. It, again, has to be temperance. Uh, and temperance can be defined a couple of different ways. Moderation, uh, discipline, okay? So you actually have to have control over your faculties. Uh, I believe it's in Star Wars Episode Five when Yoda is training Luke Skywalker on Dagobah. And he says, control, control, you must, you learn, must control. learn control. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this I think is in essence what every young, brash, sort of, you know, egotistical hero who goes on the hero's journey in Star Wars has to eventually develop. They have to mm -hmm. learn boundaries. Otherwise, the forces of the world, their wants, their fears are going to overtake them. And I care a lot about the idea of free will and destiny. And as I have gotten older, I have gotten more and more skeptical, not, not of that free will exists, okay? So I want to be very clear. I'm not a determinist who believes that you don't have free will and the ability to make choices. However, there's another way of looking at things like free will and destiny, where you go, 
certain choices that you make are going to limit future choices that you might have. For example, you ring up a large spending bill on your credit card with an interest rate that you can't actually keep up with. You are limiting future you's ability to make choices about what vacation you would like to go on, what sort of dinner or meal you would like to go and have, because past you had no sense of boundaries or discipline. And so free will is like a domino effect. You make enough bad choices, you lose your future ability to exercise free will and choice. So this is something that I think is relevant for Star Wars just throughout every single trilogy. It's particularly relevant to Anakin Skywalker, who grew up a slave, mm-hmm. is trying to throw off his shackles, first with the Jedi, then with the Sith. And of course, he ends up spending his entire life as Darth Vader trapped inside an Iron Maiden, a robot suit, uh, which tortures and suffocates him until the end of his days. Um, he ended up in that position by trying to have no chains in his in life and by shedding any ideas mm. of discipline uh, and temperance. And so I think that's the number one thing that we're supposed to learn from Star Wars. But yeah. you know, of course, there's there's courage and there's wisdom and there's justice, too. No, I think that's true. I immediately think of the um, like the the talk that I was working on that I did on Sunday, which is really focused a good chunk on the almost irony of Anakin's pursuit of controlling that which he could not, controlling the fate of those that he cared about, is mm-hmm. is the very thing that drove him to essentially become uh, power hungry, power crazy, and that 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 in of itself dwarfed and overcame any other any other virtues or genuine care that he may have had for those he loved yeah and instead by being you know by by being defined by his fear in this case his fear of loss that was formed by the experience of the loss of his mother his fear of loss of of padme becomes the 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 flashpoint the catalyst that uh palpatine uses to manipulate him to turn to the dark side yeah and and you're you're talking a little bit about your focus determines your reality a Mm -hmm. line from qui-gon jinn to anakin Mm -hmm. in episode one Mm -hmm. and this is not you know some kind of sage sage wisdom advice about you know i don't know like dealing with distraction necessarily or what you read what you watch it's it's really about discipline uh what you focus on um can be drawn in in many different directions. Mm -hmm. And you can maybe think about this and explain this in sort of military terms and like unit cohesion and stuff like people that you, you work with, with your focus determines your reality. It very much Mm -hmm. is about discipline uh, because there are a lot of things vying for your attention at any given time. And you have to be able to stay on task. I mean, even right now I've got a web browser open so that I can talk to you and I have a bunch of different tabs open, including my social media tabs. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I want to like, I want to check them. I want to click on them and it takes my focus away from you. uh, And it impacts this version of reality. Also like you're Mm. an athlete, you have to do your job on the team uh, you are the tight yeah. ends. You need to perform that job and that job only. Uh, you know, you are the point guard in basketball. You have to do that job if you're also trying to play the inside of the court uh, and mm-hmm. guard the basket. Like you're not, you're not helpful to the team. Um, and that is literally like that is part of the job of focus and discipline. Yeah. And temperance. You can't do everything. You can't play everybody's role. Um, 
I think that's that's integral to Star Wars. I love the. I have no idea where it comes. I love that quote. That's like you can you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Uh, yes, and I always <laughs> I always like that because it's it's very simple, but it's very very true. It reminds me of um, I've been watching Masters of the Air. It's on Apple TV now. It's like the story mm-hmm. of the 100th um, bombing group in World War II. So they're one of the first. Um, one of the first bombing bomber groups that bombed uh, German Nazi positions throughout Northern Europe, like the ball bearing plants, that kind of thing. But the, um, the whole interest of like the whole idea of like your focus, like knowing your role and having, having your, your duty essentially, and focusing on just that there's nothing, there's no clear example than like a B 17 bomber crew. Cause you have the, the pilot whose job it is to keep the plane in the air and everybody alive. But then you have the navigator cause there's no GPS or satellites back then. So like you literally mm-hmm. have the navigator with the paper maps to like drawing, like going line of sight off of different, uh, you know, looking down at the ground and saying, I think these are the, the white cliffs. So that means if you go to this bearing and this heading, we, we think we'll hit our target. Like that's, that's the other, that's the other piece. You have the, the yeah. rear gunner uh, who like keeps everybody alive. Uh, but with the anti-aircraft because of the German um, bombers, like all of the, every single piece fits together uh, yeah. to, to make it function. And there's, you know, again, like it, it, it feels like abstract, right? So you're just talking about your focus equals your reality in the context of star Wars, but Anakin throughout the rest of those movies, you know, episode two and three, he's going to constantly f- face distractions. Uh, one of the distractions that he faces in episode two is that he is on a mission to protect Padme and be her bodyguard on the planet mm. of Naboo. And then he has a nightmare. He, he has a vision of his mom. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to talk about a different distraction. And, on yeah. Naboo, but, well, uh, oh, <laughs> man. Hello. Uh, hello. Pad, Padme, so. Padme knows how to put it on for <laughs> a, a fire, fire lit dinner. Um, but no, he has this bad dream and he is distracted and he Mm -hmm. is focusing and turning his attention to that and it brings him a great amount of suffering and it also stops him from being able to do what is his only job Uh, Mm. and it's it's not without consequence like the choice to go and try and save his mother and then fail destroys anakin skywalker it snowballs into every other mistake that he will make until the day that he loses uh, his life uh, and becomes Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that ability to yep. like wall yourself off and say no to the things that are outside of your control. This is the essence of Star Wars. Yeah. And the good man who was your father became Darth Vader. So what I told you was true. From a certain point of view. Point of view. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. Also a moment for my talk. So uh, well puts. Well put, sir. I, I really appreciate it. I think that puts some nice baseline context of kind of what we talk about, especially at these conventions. So let's dive into it. I wanted to take a few minutes to reflect on the convention experience and kind of what we did and our plans going forward. I know we we were it was a busy weekend, man. It was a busy few weeks for you. I was I was blown away by your travel schedule. Uh, I will tell everybody listening. I know you won't say it, but uh, so Stephen had three back-to-back work conferences you had uh one in dc yeah uh, students for liberty and then you had you were down in miami for another work conference flew back and then the next day drove 10 hours to atlanta and we've and with with the all the supplies and everything the the land all the way from dc to atlanta 
and set up the booth. And uh, there we were at Atlantic Comic Con. How was the experience, sir? This is our first time actually uh, doing the tabling, as uh, my new favorite word, Yeah, uh, as Geeky Stoics. It's true. Uh, this was our first time actually taking Geeky Stoics on the road and promoting, you know, more than just, uh, you know, the book, How the Force Can Fix the World, which, you know, uh, time flies. I and mean, it's like, it's two and a half years old now. That's um, crazy. You know, the, the tent, it's time to expand the tent. And mm -hmm. what I loved about going down to Atlanta Comic Con and doing that with you and, and focusing on a variety of different products and ideas that we were offering at our table um, is that, you know, what started with a single book, How the Force Can Fix the World, is sort of grown into this bigger idea about how Star Wars does add value to the lives of its fans. It doesn't just breed online arguments and petty drama within fandom about what's canon and what's not canon. Yeah. It actually, like, Star Wars helps people. And I believe that very strongly. And whenever we take that to the people, to fans, to geeks on the floors of conferences, the response is really strong. People nod. They agree. Uh, they just don't really have the words to describe why Star Wars has been such an anchor in their lives. And Geeky Stoics provides that. Like we we fill that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the two panels that we did were were incredible. Uh, yours on focus equals reality uh, got a really really great reception. I learned a lot about public speaking from you and mainly preparation and uh, oh. discipline. <laughs> Uh, Riley is a disciplined and prepared guy. I am, I'm sure nobody listening oh, will be surprised by that. It's, listen, it's just born of of the immense fear of having not stepped in front of a Comic Con audience in like five years. I'm like, I better not screw this up. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of healthy fear can be a good thing. Yeah, that's um, right, sir. Yeah, I uh, one thing that you'll you'll increasingly learn about me is that I have a lot of ideas about stuff and then i kind of do a lot of flying by the seat of the pants i uh, i always I always have a bad bad track record of battle plans um but you know what we uh, we all have our strikes um, that's fair. no it was it was a great time i'm i wouldn't wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world and it it actually reminded me to to write about this a little bit for geekystoics.com you know, just the wise words of Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender, a series which you are going to watch. That's true, uh, yeah. Under pain of death. Uh, this is oh, a threat. Wow. <laughs> under pain of death, this is All a right. threat. Uh, Uncle Iroh, the wise man of Avatar The Last Airbender, reminds one of the other characters in that show, when you follow your passion, life will reward you. And it was so incredibly rewarding to... Mm follow this gut feeling that you and I both have about what Star Wars means on a deeper level and to take mm -hmm. that message from Washington, D.C. to Miami to Atlanta all in the span of a week. Yeah, uh, absolutely I don't know how crazy. I don't know how you're not how, I don't know how you're not dead right now. To be honest, <laughs> I'm, I took I'm a impressed. Nap. Okay, yeah, yeah. hopefully many naps. Um, yeah, no, it's it is it is strange being back in the real world with the day job, but you know this is the nature of of what we do. Uh, and I had a, I loved it. I had a great time. It's 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 an interesting. It's a proving ground. I think the um, it not for nothing what you say about the what Star Wars means to people and means to us. That is not an automatically that that is not an uncontroversial opinion anymore because I think Star Wars, like every element in society, is now representative of something that's become overtly political and polarized and has a lot of kind of nasty elements of culture tied to it. Uh, you know, many of the reasons that I personally struggled with 
the Star Wars report over the years, and ultimately w- mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I decided to retire from it was those elements um, that that essentially sort of are poisoning the well of of fandom. And I don't want to be of online fandom specific. I'm not talking about the actual stories themselves or the franchise. I think there there are elements of the Disney era of Star Wars that very unfortunately. Uh, that's just the reality of the nature of what Star Wars now means culturally. But the opportunity is that you and I are kind of like the, um, I don't know, we're sort of, now I'm going to use a Lord of the Rings uh, uh, parallel because of course I am. But you and I are sort of lighting the beacons of like, just trying to like carry the message of like mm-hmm. what, why it was great in the first place. And okay. by doing that, we we are, we are not, we are we are being weirdly countercultural with geeky Stokes. It's kind of odd to me, and that kind of that part to me makes it fun. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear you say that, and I'm glad that you feel, you know, that strongly about what we're trying to do here, because there is a lot of despair and anger and bitterness uh, in the culture, and I'm not even like making this as a, a political point. You can mm. feel it. Uh, um. American society is in a malaise of like hurt feelings and despair about something that we have lost and we don't even know how to describe what it is. And it might be that I'm, because I'm reading this book right now by um, Clay Rutledge called Past Forward. It's Mm -hmm. a book about how uh, nostalgia works, why nostalgia works, like why we feel nostalgia, where it comes from. But also why nostalgia is good and constructive because you'll often hear this that nostalgia is is cheap that mm-hmm. it's you know it's always like we're always stuck in the past why can't we ever like move on and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff Ew. nostalgia gets a bad rap because it gets overused uh, but this book argues that nostalgia is precisely re- reminds us of why we are getting out of bed in the morning at all because we have a sense of something in our past that was good and mm. pure and we long to return to and therefore we push ourselves forward therefore we form families and have kids therefore uh, we work a little bit less and spend more time with the ones we love specifically because we have nostalgia for a certain feeling in which Uh, That used to be true for us, whether it was in our childhood or in a past stage of our life. Nostalgia actually directs us to look towards the future and try to make things Mm. better. And so with Geeky Stoics, like we are, we're drawing on people's sense of why Star Wars spoke to them in the first place. Yes. and, And telling them, and it is still good for you now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you like this movie or this new book or that new movie. That's not what this is about. It's about remembering why it made you feel safe and warm uh, and happy in the first place. Yeah. And well, and here's that. the here's the thing with like the, with nostalgia. Which, first of all, well, well said. I could have said it better myself, man. I, I that piece, that nostalgia piece, the, what what that ties to are the things that you value quite for your values, your identity, who you are. Like that's a whole section of the talk that I didn't even think about in those terms. But like when I think about the things that define who I am and, and that the things I value, the way I see the world, Star Wars is part of that. And and the philosophy behind it is too. So like, 
uh, like there's a whole part in my, in my, I'm spoiling it here on the podcast, but that's fine. Uh, the, the final part of my talk was, is posing that question. Like, who do you think you are? Like, who are you? Who are you? Which I didn't, I, I almost went the, the mask cannot route, but I thought that was mm-hmm. a little obscure of a line. I know you guys listening to the podcast. Who are you? And that lady um, at the end of the rise of Skywalker. Also, also true. Yeah. Also true. Who are also, you? You'll notice though. I'm I did a Skywalker I, like my father before yeah. me. <laughs> I did my father before I did stay entirely out of the sequels for my for my talk only slightly no, that, was, that was wise that was wise I, I yeah there were there were a few I parallels that myself. worked but um I say all that to say it, that that to me that element of nostalgia um I, that that plays right right into it the things that um I I came to value and I think also that's where that strange blend of the story itself of Star Wars versus Star Wars fandom a lot of the other pieces of 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 myself that define me a lot of my biggest and longest term friendships were from Star Wars fandom so it's almost sort of layered it's not just the philosophy behind Star Wars that I learned watching it as a kid but it's the things I learned from the friends I made who were also Star Wars fans it's kind of this waterfall effect um, and so, yeah, I, that's the best way that I can, I can describe it. Um, yeah, man, that was Atlanta comic con. We, we, uh, it was hardcore. It was three days, um, pretty, pretty full days. You had a long drive there and back. I think we, we learned a lot. I'm going to transition. This is why I left this at the end of the podcast. Cause I know mm-hmm. folks who stick around are probably the most interested in the behind the scenes piece. So I'm going to go straight, straight into the behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, and talk about the actual con itself because I actually think it's valuable and interesting, or I hope it is. Uh, if you guys are listening, that enjoy geeky stoics and are curious about like um, the the machinations behind the scenes, our our own sort of Palpatine esque plan to take over the 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 nerd world. Not really. Everything kind of. that has transpired <laughs> here has done so according to my design, <laughs> as I have foreseen. Um, but I think it was an experiment in that Atlanta is a much bigger con. But it's also, it was a very heavily autograph-based con. And it's interesting to see sort of like how the message of Geeky Stoics translates to different audiences. And I would describe Raleigh, which is much more of a community-based and collecting uh, con, as Mm -hmm. a, a more natural fit. And I think what we did in Atlanta was like prove that we can connect and do well like we moved some books and some merchandise that we had decent amount of traffic stopped by the booth and we had you know a decent folks uh, attend the talks a lot of that was from like you and i man we're uh, no bones about it we're, we're in the hustle stage like we we're ha- made flyers hand out flyers to get folks to the talks because like that atlanta wasn't a natural a fit for like every every panel is going to be packed no matter what that that's just not the way the con is if you if you go to dragon con or some of these others like there's mm-hmm. there's going to be a built-in audience for almost anything but it was much I, it's a much more challenging environment to bring the message to uh, because it, geeky stoics isn't uh, a known quantity and i think that it was a really good learning experience for that reason but i, I think it also makes me i i you and i've had some conversation it kind of i think helps us tailor the the message when we're taking this to in-person events uh our approach for doing that i think we are going to like find i think we're finding our groove with some of these um smaller regional regional conventions i'm kind of curious on like steven's behind the scenes take of like where we go from here with geeky stoics in terms of the the talks that we're developing and and also Mm -hmm. the actual taking it as a you know as a table tabling (laughs) you know I don't know if I have a great answer to that besides that I, I agree that kind of we do better when it comes to selling 
you know, merchandise and, and product when it comes to a smaller con, but there's so much more opportunity to speak to big rooms of people who are looking for something about Star Wars besides, you know, it was Darth Vader bad or good or something that you might get at like a Dragon Con panel on Star Wars. Um, you know, we're trying to do something a little bit deeper. And I, I, I something that I just love about working with you is that I, I look to you for <laughs> ideas about that kind of thing, like growth yeah. and targets and where we need to be. Uh, what is the, the, the difference between, between like a collecting con and a autographs and signatures convention because there were a ton of vendors and collectors at mm. Atlanta Comic Con where there was also a huge presence of celebrities that you could get your photo taken with. Is that yeah. not the case at Dragon Con? It's really not. I, I it's, it's interesting because Dragon Con does have a, a pretty good attendance of celebrities and they do they do have an autograph hall. Uh, but I would say as a percentage of uh the convention way way smaller but it's it's kind of similar in star wars celebration i actually don't think most people are going to star wars celebration as much as they they play up and show the footage of everybody lining up for the big trailer i think the reason that star wars celebration continues to be so popular with star wars fans is it's sort of like the um why am i blinking on on the uh the desert retreat that's famous where all the hippies go Oh, out west. Burning, burning, burning man. man. It is Star Wars Burning Man of, in, a, in a way. It's just sort of the place all the Star Wars fans can go gather and hang out. And and they built their rep, reputation community around that. I would say as they've drifted from that a little bit, it, it's hurt it. But the best parts of, of Celebration have been that community. Yeah. I would argue same the same part, best parts of Dragon Con are, are the community element. You know, and that does so, remind me, though, the yeah. mention of Celebration is that you know, I used to have a, a podcast called Beltway Banthas that was like, you know, a conservative and a liberal talking Star Wars and coming together around that, which in and of itself can can be a little abrasive. I actually have some degree of hope that mm. you and I could do something at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, yeah. Now, we, we both sure. have, you know, people people who know us kind of know where what we think about things like politics. But I just think like on paper, you know, the kind of program that we would do that is explicitly about Star Wars and its virtues and its values mm -hmm. in a non-political format. You know, yeah. I think we I think we could end up doing something at Star Wars Celebration. hundred percent. hundred percent. Goodbye, which is which is really exciting, you know. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't I didn't really have that kind of hope before. And what we're doing takes me a little bit back in time to. I don't know. I, I was being younger. Like you kind of mentioned like the hustle. Yeah. Um, let's bring some know, nostalgia in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I was, I was in rock bands in college and also, you know, doing content creation as a podcaster in my mid twenties. I was playing in a band. I was pushing CDs. I was handing out t-shirts at shows. I was like trying to make it, you know, mm -hmm. and I had so much energy and so much belief and, then I migrated to podcasting. I had so much energy and so much belief, and I was pushing the brand and tabling and handing out flyers. And then I kind of went into the dark for a little while of like mm -hmm. less energy, less enthusiasm. It's like I hit 30 and then I just kind of was like, Ooh, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. And and what that, and what you're that, and what you're <laughs> what you're describing though is like that this project is really fun and it actually kind of makes you feel that same way again 
that oh, yeah, I sort yeah. of felt like when I was 23 instead of 33 and feeling entrepreneurial, yeah. <laughs> wanting to, <laughs> wanting to hustle and sell something, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. No, I think you're so right. I think there's, there's, there's room. Not only is there room for this kind of stuff at Star Wars Celebration and, and other conventions, I think, I think that's really what we've learned, which is that the good news is, is it's fun. Like, and that's why, that's why you keep doing this stuff. Like, uh, we, we aren't in it to, because listen, the, the geeky stoics, uh, booth is not going to make either of us millionaires, but it is going to like fund the ability to like take this show on the road, as they say, and like get to places like star Wars celebration and, uh, dragon con. We're looking at Philadelphia. There's a few, there's a few. And that's the thing is we can only like, we both have day jobs, uh, and like, uh, uh, your boy's deploying uh, this October, so I'll be I'll be gone for six months. So we have like a few shows that we can do, but um, that's okay. Like we don't have to always be like like try to table at every single convention. I think there's room to do just talks, uh, and I think it can doesn't always have to be uh, geek conventions. I think there's room for things like TED Talks or um, you know other uh, other appearances on shows radio um i i think that there th this sort of transcends the old um podcast sphere if you will hopefully that's 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 my idea anyway oh i think so you know i i've done star wars podcasting mm -hmm. uh star wars podcasting is this community that you just feel is so big you feel in your bones that it's so uh you know full of life and competitive and that mm -hmm. it's like the stakes are high and then you step back from it for like five seconds and you're like yeah. oh my god this community is like this small and you're trying to be like the king of this tiny little pond um mm -hmm. and and geeky stoics is a little bit different in that it it doesn't have to exist in that space. It can compete in it and it can play in it, uh, but mm. it's it's not the that little pond is not the be all end all of what we're doing because we are speaking to so many other kinds of people, so many other fandoms, mm. uh, but also people who, you know, love to read books. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love to read old books. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Different about what we're doing. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love the, like the, just the, the book club. I had so much fun. I had so much fun doing the fellowship of the ring at the beginning of the year. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun and we're going to, we're going to carry it forward. Like we were, um, uh, talking afterwards and I think we're going to carry it forward on about a quarterly basis. So if you're listening to this, uh, keep an eye out. I think we're going to look at, uh, in the spring, we'll roll forward our next, um, I want to do C.S. Lewis. I'm just saying, I want to do, I want to do screw tape letters. Yeah. I think that's what we're going to land on. That's, I mean, I, I concur. Really I think yeah. we just decided, I think that's what just happened. Uh, that just happened. Screw tape letters is it is all. screw tape letters. <laughs> it's going to um, be so much easier to read than fellowship of the ring too. It uh, is. It is a little bit, a little bit thinner per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Andy circus does the audiobook. True story. Um, I'm so like, glad. Wait for, for what? Yeah, for for screw tape letters. Kid really? You not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True story. how cool! Mm -hmm. That that's yeah. actually very, that's very exciting. Uh, yeah. So I I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. True story. True story. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any parting shots. I I know I kind of wanted to talk through some of the behind the scenes there. I guess um we'll we'll finish off with the actual like content piece. I know um Stephen, you you did the empathy talk again. I did a talk on Star Wars and Stoicism, where your focus determines your reality. 
Uh, I, uh, news to you, Stephen, we got decent shots. I'll be cutting together a probably condensed kind of real version, a short form version, probably five to 10 minutes of my talk uh, that, that will probably go up on the YouTube channel in the next, in the coming weeks um, based on the footage that I have available. I'm excited. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to try to shoot to do this one a few more times. Um, so at some point I'll probably do like the full thing, but I, that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at least as a starting point, I'm pretty excited to cut together a bit of my talk. Same thing with yours. We, we shot yeah. yours again as well. And I, I thought honestly, it looked and sounded even better than the original. I'm really excited to cut something together for, for that one as well. No, I think that's great. I, I, for one, the empathy talk that I do is, I think I think I'm probably going to write a new one and try mm. to develop something else. You know, the great the great thing about having, you know, done done a book is that every chapter is a presentation in waiting. You know, every yeah, single yeah. one of them in theory could be turned into a talk. And so I think the one that I want to do next is probably choice. Uh, nice. AKA yeah. free will, free will and destiny. Destiny and who you are meant to be is such a powerful part of star wars it is it is mm. the the farm boy looking out you know at the twin sons going mm. again, who, am, who am i yeah and what, what am i meant to be that is drawn so many people to star wars and so i i want to probably do a talk on that uh, you know i know that the the one thing that will get super divisive about that kind of talk is that I'll have to spend some time on the the sequel trilogy, which you know some fans like, some fans don't. But typically, when you go to comic cons, people aren't as like foaming at the mouth about that kind also of stuff. Also true. Also true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I heard a lot of strong feelings at our table about. We do. We always just like just like just like for the prequels or for the sequels, but mm-hmm. not like in a I won't come hear your talk kind of way, like you might get on the internet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So. Anyways, yeah, I think I'm going to do one on choice because redemption probably a little bit too heavy for Comic-Cons in a couple of ways. Uh, but empathy yeah. empathy really appeals because that's like a, a buzzword that people like. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. Even when I was working on the focus talk, I was thinking of sort of the redemption angle. But one, it was tough to have room for it. But two, I think really like I was focusing more on the identity piece. Um, so I was focusing more on Luke being like, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. That's the statement of identity of, of the original trilogy. And that, that's kind of why I focused on the Luke side more than the Vader side per se. But yeah, I can see redemption's a tough one, but I could definitely see, I think choice would be a really, really good one. And I think that one could be a great talk that could appeal to comic cons, or I know some of the more political circles mm-hmm. you run in and conferences, uh, I think there's there's room room there too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of already know what I want to call it. It has to be something like. Oh, I gotta hear. We, it, yeah. I think I think it has to be. We are all Skywalkers. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are all Skywalkers. Uh, I am a Skywalker. Something like that, because mm. the 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 essence of Star Wars to me is that what Luke managed to accomplish in the original star Wars trilogy um, was to redefine what it means to be a Jedi. Um, Now, of course he goes on to, you know, attempt to rebuild the Jedi order and all that kind of stuff. uh, And it doesn't work out, but star Wars fans view themselves 
I think as people who are carrying the torch that Luke Skywalker carried uh, at the end of the return of the Jedi. I think that's what's in the heart of star Wars fans. My dad, my entire life has always called me Skywalker uh, Mm -hmm. just because I I'm a dreamer, you know, I'm a doer. And um, he, he likes that about me. He's, he's not quite that way. Um, So he always called me Skywalker. And then when the sequel trilogy was coming out and we got to the movie, the rise of Skywalker, I was like, the rise of Skywalker. What does that mean? Luke is dead. Uh, Leia Mm -hmm. will also be dead. So the rise of Skywalker, what does that even mean? And then there was that bit in the trailer where Ray does that backflip over the Uh, top. And I was, and I was like, I was like, there's going to be a new order Mm -hmm. of people and they're going to call themselves Skywalkers. So the Jedi will cease to exist like Luke said in The Last Jedi, but a new order will arise and they will be called Skywalkers, kind of like airbenders, right? Like they're their own thing. Um, That didn't pan out. That wasn't necessarily what happened. It was that Rey Mm. took on the Skywalker name at the end of that movie. And I Mm. want to make the case in front of people that that is good in so far as if she can be a Skywalker, then so can you. And mm-hmm. I, yep, think that, yep. I think that's a beautiful thing because it is a little divisive when Ray takes that name. There, there are, you've seen the, you've it, seen the clip, right? Yeah, I've seen the clip. No, <laughs> there are very open-minded pro Ray fans who don't like that. There For are sure. like, yeah, there are like people who like Ray and are pretty open to the sequels who don't like that, uh, yeah. that she takes the Skywalker name. And I'm someone who's like, you know, I actually do like this because it gives me this sort of sense of hope. Um, I think you could even make, I think you could make a compelling case to the, to even these same people because you couldn't make the case that I, I would say the reason people may not like it is saying, Hey, she's being defined by the, the legacy and actions and uh, existence of another character instead of defining her own destiny. I would say that's, that's the, that would be a charitable way of kind of describing that criticism, which I would say is fair, but I think the pitch to be made is that by her taking on the identity of Skywalker, she's not taking on the identity and just legacy of, of just Luke and, and Anakin. She's applying it and transforming it to, to be applicable to everyone. And therefore she's sort of, um, she is actually empowering and even transcending the legacy of Skywalker in terms of the Skywalker family to make it accessible to even, you know, a, a poor uh, scavenger. And I think that's, that's, that's the angle. I like it. I, I can already, I can see it right now. I can see you pacing back and forth on the TEDx stage. And I can see you opening with the, like the, with the video of everybody yelling and being really mad at it. And over the course of the next 15 minutes, winning over the crowd. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I'm into it. No, yeah, I think uh, let's, let's cook up that talk and take it on the road. And I'll also tell you, if yep. there, if we were ever to practice a bunch of different talks at different comic cons around the East Coast and all that, in preparation for making a pitch to Star Wars Celebration, yeah, yeah. I think that would be the one. Like mm, the, the, yeah, yeah. the because because Disney Lucasfilm, I think, has a vested interest in defending kind of the legacy of the sequels sure, and sure. and their and the Ray character. 
doing a talk that sort of gives her her just desserts and makes the case for why the Skywalker idea can kind of be democratized amongst fans. I think they would really like that. Yeah. Um, somebody, and, uh, I'm somebody, happy to pander to that. And we will a hundred, we will sit down with Charmaine, obey Chinoy and, and, and really like go over how, how to really handle Ray's legacy because if these two white dudes probably definitely know how that should go. I do. Uh, Luke Skywalker was a white cis man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, therefore well, I'm, I'm most qualified to speak about his legacy. All right. All right, I'm, I'm, shut, I'm shutting down this conversation at this point, and we're done, and we're done. <laughs> I kid. No, I think that's a fantastic idea, and honestly, that's maybe this is the way I'll end. I'll, I'll be that sort of the 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 nerd who loves to think about the future. Always my mind on the future, never here where it belongs. That's that's me. So I will indulge my that instinct for a second and say, I think these doing these talks at these smaller cons, especially as we build up. Uh, a, a reputation. I, I shamelessly would follow the model. I love what the legal geeks have done at San Diego Comic Con, mm -hmm. which is they don't have any celebrities, nobody, nobody famous bringing people in. It's just consistently year after year, they always show up, they show up prepared, and they have real life nerds and real life attorneys do dang near accurate legal analysis, complete with opening arguments, closing arguments, mock trials. Like they are prepared and they're good. They're great panels. So people just show up in droves. They love it. I think the idea of the Star Wars TED Talk, which is the sort of shorthand that we refer to our, our panels, is there, the, there is, I think, a, a definite hunger for this kind of programming at conventions because normally, typically, and uh, you know this, I know this, I've been at dozens, maybe hundreds. I don't know how many conventions I've been to over the years, but usually it's a fairly, I would say, uh, charitably, um, a, a low-key discussion for panel format. Mm -hmm. Some could criticize that format as kind of old, tired, and boring. Uh, I didn't say it, but some might. Many people are saying I'm <laughs> that 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 I I think that there is a real window of opportunity because I, we certainly aren't the first. I've seen people who do uh, panels and presentations at conventions that are really fun and entertaining, and it comes from like taking the subject matter seriously being prepared making yes. it interactive multimedia like these are all the little touches of having video and audio and like all the things that we fo are focusing on i think make the difference and i just by us consistently showing up uh i think we're going to get there uh, and that part makes me excited mm -hmm. to kind of keep taking this these uh the show on the road there you go that's my that's a lot to think about yeah all right and on that note uh i'm gonna shut up before i get us in trouble if I haven't already. Um, Steven, any parting shots for the good folks listening to the podcast? The Sith and the Jedi are similar in almost every way, including their quest for greater power. Mm. <laughs> that's that's a lie. That's not true. <laughs> that's that's impossible. You know, <laughs> do you ever hear <laughs> the tragedy? Of Darth Plagueis the Wise. It's so all right. Here's where I'm going to nerd out for a second, Stephen. The you know the most fascinating part of Revenge of the Sith is a hundred percent Ian McDermott's ability to have like so much variance in his cadence of delivery. Every line, it's so memorable and quotable. 
I assure you, my resolve has never been stronger. That's like he's like he's got that. Mm. He's got the mm. Lord Vader. Rise. rise. He's got the, the vocal fry. Rise. Rise. All right. All right. Now I'm, now I'm stopping. Let me stop the recording. We're done. It's over. Bye, guys. <laughs> See ya.